Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I'm the tech editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Hey there. And today... Actually, what are we going to talk about? Well, today we're going to talk about something that comes to us courtesy of a little... Listener mail. This listener mail comes from Jeff, and Jeff says, Hey, Chris and Jonathan, or the unfortunate intern who must sift through listener mail first. Uh, no, Jeff, that's us. I am absolutely in love with the podcast. I just finished listening to your show on Hackintoshes and the unfortunate comment at the end of the show about sticking with a PC if you want to do the useful things. I love my Mac. But I do have to agree, I miss gaming, too, which is why I used Apple's Boot Camp to install Windows XP on my Mac, resulting in a, ta-da, dual boot system. A deluge of questions is about to begin. How the heck does it work? Boot Camp is provided by Apple, as if they're encouraging people to also install Windows on their Macs. 
Of course, you still have to purchase your own copy of Windows. Is that a violation of the EULA for either Apple or Microsoft? How or why did Apple make their machines compatible with both operating systems? And then how do other programs like Parallels, which allow you to operate Windows while running your Mac work? Keep up the great work, Jeff. P.S. A show on green technology would be awesome, too. I would not complain about that. We are not doing a show on green technology. At least not today. No. Today we're doing a show about multi-booting. Yes, because your computer, well, depending on your computer, uh, but we'll get into that in a second, your computer may or may not be able to run multiple operating systems, not just, you know, for example, Windows and Mac, as you said. Right. Yeah. We When we're talking about uh, multi-booting, it's uh, it's it's... A wider net than that. We're talking about things like uh, Linux, uh, Unix, things like that. Nece- not necessarily uh, all of them at the same time. Some of them work together and some of them don't. Yep. Um, and when we say work together, uh, we'll have to get into that a little bit too. It's kind of um, it's kind of an unusual situation. So when you turn your computer on, mm-hmm. right? And I'm talking about like when you flip the power switch. I'm not right. talking about when you buy it chocolates and say nice things to it. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a certain process that the computer goes through in order to boot up. Now, this process starts with the uh, the the master boot record. Yes. Okay. Which is a sector at the very very beginning of the hard drive. Right. So your your computer's hard drive, whatever format that might be in, it could be uh, a platter hard drive or it could be solid state. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, within that first sector, there is something called the master boot record. Now this is this is the uh, the the little bit of code that tells the essentially your computer where to go next. Yes. Like how 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 to boot up the operating system. So the uh, it, what it'll do is it'll it'll uh, reference a partition table and look for the active boot partition. Mm-hmm. This is what then says, okay, well, you know, uh, we've passed go. Here's the next square that we have to move to. So it passes the control to the partition boot record uh, that continues the booting process. Now the partition boot record then looks for a the system specific boot files that are associated with that particular operating system, mm-hmm. right? So the, like a Windows, it would start looking for the INI files. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, it then finishes the whole process of booting and it loads up the operating system for your computer. Now, if you only have one operating system on your computer, this is a very straightforward process. It's just a straight shot, mm-hmm. right? That's it's, exactly right. Yeah, so MBR for the, the master boot record, MBR to the PBR, which is not perhaps blue ribbon, but several people listening just thought that. Yeah, I know. Um, but uh, no, the that's the the partition boot record, right? And then that goes to the system files. So uh, pretty pretty straightforward. However, the interesting thing about computers, or one interesting thing yeah, about several. computers, <laughs> yeah, turns out there's more than one. Yeah, <laughs> one of the interesting things that you can learn about computers is that you can install multiple operating systems on a computer if you partition the hard drive correctly. That's true. Well, there is an alternative. You could have multiple hard drives, each with its own operating system. That's That's a little bit more. I I should point out, too, uh, there's a lot of detail that could go into uh, a multiple boot system. So we're not we're probably going to take just a really high end look at it because we're 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 talking about the uh, 
the basics here. Yeah. To see and the it, concepts behind it. As it turns out, depending upon which operating systems you want to install, there are a lot of different things you have to take into consideration. For example, some versions of Windows can recognize when other operating systems are uh, installed on your computer, whether mm-hmm. or not that is the um, whether or not the, that version of Windows is your primary operating system, some of them object to not being the primary operating system. And if it's not the primary, uh, you're going to have more um, headaches. You're going there are ways of working around it, but you have to find out what those ways are. Um, it's so yeah, it can get really really complex. So we're going to try and keep it more general. Uh, in most cases, you can find tools out there that make this fairly. Easy, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. or at least easier than if you were to set out and do it on your own. Yep. There's a, uh, so, so it is possible getting back to what you were saying before, Jonathan, about, um, you know, there being partitions on a drive. You could have multiple drives with this multiple operating systems, but let's say you're, you know, the average person who is interested in a dual boot system or, you know, in the case of our dear listener, someone who has, uh, you know, the opportunity to install multiple operating systems on one single hard disk. And in that case, yes, you do want to partition your hard drive. And a partition is pretty much exactly like what it sounds like. It's it's a different part of your hard drive. Right. Um, and when you partition your hard drive, you're basically telling uh, your computer, look, this part of the hard drive is like its own hard drive. Yes. You're, it, it's not literally a different hard drive, but your computer treats it as though it were a different hard drive. Right. So if if you want to think of it in physical terms, although I should hasten to add that uh, the physical representation is is it's just an example. Um, the the physical nature of hard drives is also a very complicated thing, as it turns out. You're talking about cylinders and platters. Oh, sure. And, yeah. Uh, and then there's solid state drives, which are a different animal altogether. And by animal, I mean hard drive. Don't write me, people. Um, but if you want to think of it in physical terms, think of a room and you've got a pretty big room. No, it's, it's, it's roomy. Yes. In fact, and there's a, you know, it's nice square room. And then you think, you know what? I, I want to set this one corner of the room off to be a, a, a room where I store all my stuff. It's going to be essentially a closet. So you build a couple of walls, um, and you, you, you partition off that room. There's still a door into the big room so you can get back and forth, but, it's set aside. And then you think, Hey, you know what? I've got that place to store my stuff, but I really want, uh, I want, I want a special corner here so I can, uh, watch movies and play video games and stuff. So I'm going to mm-hmm. build another wall and, uh, and I'm going to corner off this section here from the main part of the room. Well, that's essentially what you're doing when you're partitioning off a hard drive. You are taking up the hole and you're dividing it up into parts. Yes. Um, these parts, of course, have to be smaller than the whole. We can't ma- magically make our hard drives larger than what they were before. Uh, and in fact, this caused uh, some issues back when hard drives started to bump up against the eight gigabyte range, because before that, there was a, a, a physical limit mm-hmm. based upon the uh, hard drive architecture that eight gigabytes, that was that was the, as high as you were going to go. And we got around that, but almost like by tricking the computer <laughs> Um, at any rate, so you can partition off your hard drive uh, that way. If you wanted to install more than one operating system on your computer, you would need to have a partition, at least a partition per operating system. So if you had two operating systems, you would need at the very least two partitions. Uh, you may want to do more than that. You may want both operating systems to have access to the same data. 
for example. Let's say that you have two different versions of Windows that you want to run. And and there may be reasons why you would need to do this. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But if you had these two different versions of Windows, but you wanted to be able to access the same general data, you would need a, a third partition that would hold all the data. And both of your operating systems would have to be able to access that partition. Right. Uh, while maintaining separation between the two operating system partitions. And the flowers are still standing. Yes. Nice. <laughs> That's a Ghostbusters reference. <laughs> um, it took me a second, too, to, to put it together. Uh, but, yeah, so let's say that uh, you've partitioned your hard drive. There are many tools out there that allow you to do this. By the way, before you partition anything, before you ever oh, try yeah. this, back up your hard drive. Yeah. And and I'll tell you it's it's um it's a good idea. Actually I read people who are, you know, who are writing tutorials on how to uh create a multi-boot system or to partition our hard drives. And one of the first things that they say other than back up your hard drive is maybe you don't necessarily want to do this with your main computer. Yeah, yeah, I would avoid doing this with your main computer. If you have a secondary computer, that would be all right for you to play with, but um there are problems that can come up from partitioning your hard drive if things, especially depending on the the combination of operating systems you've chosen. Um, and don't just do it yeah. willy nilly. I mean, if you're willing to accept the risk, you know, go right ahead. But just keep in mind that there is a possibility that you could um, you could erase a lot of information. <laughs> you know, right, right. Like that uh, term paper that you have due on Friday that you just got your second draft done, and oh darn it, now it's gone. Yeah. Um, and keep in mind also that operating systems can have uh, issues with different parts of your hardware. Um, things that work fine in one operating system may stop working in another because the drivers aren't there. That's true. Uh, you should um, – not all operating systems are uh, are created equal. As a matter of fact, this answers one of uh, one of the questions. Yes. Um, because uh, we were talking about what enables – a Mac to do this now when you couldn't do it before. Okay, so before, um, when they were running these PowerPC chips, uh, the uh, operating system for Windows would just not run on it. Mm-hmm. So you were you had to make a choice. If you wanted to buy a Mac, you ran the Mac OS. Um, well, when Apple decided to change course and switched over to Intel chips, um, they are essentially the same chips that go inside a PC. Actually, they are the same chips because they will run Windows. Right. Um, and... Uh, and yes, to answer the other question, Apple is okay with you uh, using Boot Camp to partition your hard drive and install a copy of Windows on there. As a matter of fact, it's a selling point for them. Right, but, right. I mean, because uh, before, you know, you, you it was a Mac or a PC. Now you can do both, and that makes the Mac more valuable to some people because they can run programs from right. both operating systems. Because what's interesting is you can't do it the other way around. Or at least Apple doesn't want you to. You can do it, but in order for you to be able to run the Mac OS on a PC – you have to essentially fool the operating system into believing it is on a Mac. Yeah, it would have to um, – the Mac is going to have to recognize the components inside the machine. And uh, if it looks like it isn't a Mac, it's not going to want to run on it. Yeah. Now, again, you can fool the operating system using various kinds of software in order to uh, to force it to run on a PC, but your mileage may vary as far as how reliable it goes. So uh, so getting back to, to the whole multi-booting concept here, now we've partitioned our hard drive um, yes. several we, times. We know that it's going to work on that computer. Right, yeah. We, let's, let's assume that we have already 
taking into account the different operating systems we're going to use. Let's go ahead and say we're running um, two different versions of Windows and a version of Linux. So we have three different operating systems on this one machine. Okay. We've got, let's say, five partitions total. Okay. All right. So each partition for the operating system, it, you've you've created it so it's just big enough to hold that operating system. Right. All right. So that That's means a bad that, idea. But you could do it. But you could do it. You could do it where each uh, each one is maybe give it a little room, but more or less what you've got is a partition that's large enough to hold each operating system, and then you've dedicated the rest of your space for storage. Right. In your in your two different drives that you're using for storage. Right. Now, um, when you boot up the computer, depending on how you set up the the master boot record, because this this different vendors do different uh, methods. Actually, yes. Microsoft is very different from everyone else. But if you were to, uh, for the most part, what happens is when you boot up, the first step is the same. The master boot record looks at the partition table. Only this time, there are choices. It is no longer, oh, I need to hand over the booting power to this very particular uh, uh, PBR. Again, not PAPS Blue Ribbon, uh, the partition boot record. I, I can't just do that because there are multiple choices. And then uh, what will happen is you'll be presented with the choice of which operating system you wish to boot into. Right. And so you choose that one, and then the rest of the process pretty much is the same. So the the MBR will hand over the uh, the booting to the PBR, which then moves forward from there and and accesses the appropriate system specific boot files in order to uh, to start up the operating system. So with Linux, it's going to be one set. With uh, whatever version of Windows you're running, it's going to be another set. And then, of course, your your second version of Windows will use yet a third set. So mm-hmm. um, you could choose any of those three. Uh, you have to remember that this is divvying up your computer's resources, so your computer's not going to have nearly the amount of storage space it used to have. Um, it can also, depending on the operating systems you've chosen, it can affect performance in other ways. Um, it, it could make your computer run a little more slowly. Uh, it, it, depending on how you've partitioned the drives, it may have more trouble uh, accessing the hard drive in order to find the right information it needs to operate. Um, it's a tricky thing, which is, again, another reason why it's a good idea to use this on a secondary or, or you know, even a tertiary machine or whatever, you know, some spare machine you have as opposed to your primary one. Uh, just because, uh, if stuff goes wrong, then you haven't lost all, uh, you haven't lost your, your primary machine. Yeah. If you're already, if you're partitioning a machine that's, uh, I'm sorry, if you're partitioning a hard drive on a machine that has, uh, um, been formatted, say you have a, a Windows XP machine, uh, with a 500 gigabyte hard drive and you've had this machine for two years now and you say, ah, you know what? I'm, I'm ready to try Linux. I want to install. Linux on here. I want to partition my hard drive. Well, um, you're going to have to sort of be very careful because the information on there, you know, of course, you probably know about defragmentation, how data can get stored in different sectors on a hard drive, mm-hmm. all over the hard drive. Well, what a partition is going to want to do, the partitioning tool, it's going to want to create a, a part of the hard drive that doesn't have any information on it. And so, you know, you have to try to judge how much room you want to save on the Windows partition. It's like, well, how much am I going to, how much space am I going to need on there? How much, you know, am I going to run the risk? And it warns you if, uh, when I installed, um, Ubuntu on our test machine here in the office, it warns you. It says, you know, look, 
there is a possibility that some of your files could be damaged in this process because it's already formatted. Are you sure you really want to do this? And I'm sure it's just a precaution, but still, yeah. you know, just be aware that formatting a hard, you know, that's why we were sort of talking about the idea of starting from scratch, you know, brand new hard drive. Let's go ahead and throw three different operating systems on there. You know, if you're doing this with a, a, a hard drive with an operating system that's, system that's been on there for a while, you know, that information is going to be spread out a little bit. You might want to run a defragmenter on it and clean up the drive a good bit before you partition it. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't mind the idea of totally wiping your computer and starting from scratch, then that, that solves a lot of problems. But, uh, as we, as we mentioned, uh, you know, Chris, that was a really good point because like I said before, with the physical representation, that room where you, you easily uh, block off a corner here and a corner there. That's not the way it really works on a computer. On a computer, you could think of it as a high-rise building with lots and lots of different rooms. Ooh, that's good. And certain rooms have their lights on and other rooms have the lights off. And the rooms that have the lights off, those are those are free. You can use those to put in more information. But they're scattered all across the, mm-hmm. the building mm-hmm. in different levels. And, and some levels have almost all the lights off and some levels have almost all the lights on and others are, are kind of a jumble. Um, that's why it's kind of that this can get really complicated because to partition off, say, all right, well, I need a block of 60 rooms that have no lights on. Uh, there may not be a, an adjacent block of 60. It may be spread across. So, again, we're talking about a difference between the physical structure of the hard drive mm-hmm. and what the actual digital representation is. Yeah. Which is why the more I read about this, the more my head hurts because I was an English major. <laughs> well, thankfully, uh, most of the utilities now for the most modern operating systems that will help you with this, you know, things like uh, Gparted, uh, mm. which is a uh, a free open source um, utility, um, and of course, Boot Camp for the Mac, they'll help you through it. They'll walk you through it. If you're installing, um, I know most flavors of Linux uh, have you know, when you're installing the computer, it, it helps you, walks you through the process of doing this. Do you really want to partition your hard drive? You can, that way you can install, you know, this along with your normal operating system, or would you prefer just to wipe the whole thing clean? Um, so mm-hmm. thankfully it, you know, that you get some help, but, um, I recommend too, if you're, if you're doing this as a hobby and you're, especially if you're really concerned about the possibility that you're going to do damage, uh, to the data on your hard drive, by doing this, I recommend doing a little research on the internet first before you do this with some reputable sources because um, it really differs operating to operating system and, yeah, uh, yeah. and version of operating system to version of operating system. Um, there are some details that you might want to pick up on. We don't, uh, uh, you know, it, there, there's a lot. I wanted yeah. to make sure that uh, everybody knows that this is, you know, it's not it's not really hard to do, but you want to be careful when you're doing it. Right. The, each each pairing has its own set of circumstances. Really so we, that's why we can't really go into detail because to do to say like you want to run Windows 95 and Windows Vista on the same machine is going to be totally different than if you want to run, run Windows XP and Linux on the same machine. Mm-hmm. It's just it's it's you know there're different set of parameters that you have to take into account. So but there fortunately like Chris said there are a lot of uh, resources out there that pretty much cover every single variation you can think of mm-hmm. and um and and if it's not covered you can probably find a forum somewhere where you ask a question and people will be quick to answer you. Yeah. So they might even get you involved a little bit more in the community and you'll uh you know yeah maybe you can become a become more of a yeah a contributor and right. a hobbyist um and um, i was going to add to talking about the complexity of it uh one of the reasons i didn't really want to get into the multi-disc you know, physical hard disk setup is because it involves wiring yeah. you have to uh you know tell each hard drive whether you know you have to pick a master hard drive and then 
indicate which ones are slave hard drives. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, you're better off going through the instructions and actually consulting, uh, some experts before you get started with that because, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's more detailed it's than a what headache. a podcast can go into really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I was also going to mention, we were going to talk about why people might want to right. partition their hard drives and make uh, a multi-boot system. Well, first of all, before we even get into multi-boot, you may want to partition your hard drive. I mean, one reason you might think about doing it is just sure. from an organizational standpoint. So you may only have one operating system, but you might want to partition your hard drive into multiple, uh, drives so that you can store certain information in one drive and other information in another drive. Um, this can, depending on how you organize it, can actually speed up things like retrieving information. Uh, if you're using a, a like a video processing program and you've, you've put all of your video stuff into one drive, then eventually the operating system, you know, it, it knows it's just got to go to this one drive, which is much smaller mm-hmm. than the overall hard drive space. Doesn't take it as long to search up particular information and pull it back for you. So it can, in certain cases, be faster to partition your hard drive, uh, and retrieve information that way. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, just from an organizational standpoint, if like you wanted to have a drive just for all your games and then everything, you know, like all your other data was going to be on another drive. Um, this also helps if you ever have a, a if there's ever like a corrupt disk or something, if something happens that, that corrupts one of your drives, your other drives might be safe. Mm-hmm. And if you keep backing up your drives, which you should be doing, then you can do a uh, restore that hopefully won't affect your entire computer. It would just affect one drive, yeah. which still is pretty traumatic, but it's not as bad as the entire computer having to be restored. Yes, I agree. Now, for as for multi-operating uh, systems, why would you want to do this? Uh, well, you know. We have one example. Yes, you know, somebody from a listener. Yes, um, and uh, you know there are other reasons too. For example, in our office, uh, we have the test machine, which you have heard about very frequently. We were trying both Windows Seven, uh, the beta version of that, before it went uh, before it uh, became stopped working. <laughs> it, it still works for two hours at a time, right. and then shuts down without telling you. Yeah, uh, you know, since we haven't uh, we haven't actually formal purchased the yeah, um, we'll get around to that eventually. Yeah, and uh, Ubuntu. I- um, and it gives us an opportunity to try both operating systems out on the same machine yes. without having to, uh, you know, we install don't have an additional drive and or, it gives us a chance yeah. to actually try out partitioning a hard drive. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're a hobbyist, you can, you can certainly do that. And, uh, you know, well, the way I figured also is that if you are, let's say you're developing, um, software. Sure. It might be, it might be good to be able to do this so that you can make sure you develop software that works on different operating systems yes. or different versions of the same operating system because you may want to even do this with things like the Mac OS. You may want the different versions of the Mac OS on one machine so that you can make sure that things that run in, in Leopard run in Snow Leopard. Yes. Um, Without having to bur- purchase a machine per operating system, mm-hmm. which gets pretty expensive. Yes. Um, and things like legacy programs. We've talked about legacy programs before. These are the uh, old programs that that people and corporations depend upon that are no longer supported by newer versions of the OS. They just, you know, either the 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 developers who originally created the software moved on to bigger and better things, or it's just abandonware or whatever. But there's no way of running that software in the modern operating systems. You may want to have uh, a machine running the old system. Um, so that you can run legacy programs, but a lot of companies don't want to, you know, waste a machine just to do that. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, if that's all it does, then that's kind of a waste of space and energy and all that kind of stuff. But if you are able to make, uh, to dual boot it so that you can run it in, you know, the operating system that the rest of the office is running in, mm-hmm. uh, for most of the time and then switch over whenever you need to use the legacy program, then that might make sense. Now, one disadvantage to using a multi-boot operating system is that if you want to use the other operating system, you have to restart and boot into the other operating system. Right. So you're in operating system A, operating system B, operating system C, and not sharing the others, which is the advantage of a program like Parallels or VMware or uh, Sun's Virtual box. Yeah, these are creating virtual machines where you can switch back and forth. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's it's like you see a window. For for those of you who haven't tried it, um, it's like you have a window open in your current native operating system, and inside that window is the other operating system that can run programs installed on it. And uh, it's you're not creating a partition on well. It's sort of creating a virtual partition, really, when you think about it. Right, but, right, but not a physical partition. But not a physical partition. Um. And uh, it's kind of cool because you can say, you know, I actually have VirtualBox installed on my Mac at home and I run uh, Windows 7 for two hours at a time on it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I can I can switch back and forth from the Mac to the PC, you know, in the same window. Now, the problem is, um, in this case, you're dividing up the resources very literally because when you install uh, a new operating system in this virtual machine – or create a virtual machine to run that operating system. It asks you how much memory, and we're talking RAM here, not hard drive space. So I have, let's say, two gigabytes of memory on my machine. I have to decide, well, one operating system is going to run, let's say, one gigabyte. Well, the other one's going to run the other. And so it, overall, your performance is going to be a little bit slower. And, you know, it's not exactly like an emulator, but it, it works sort of like that. And, it, you know, because you are running the other operating system concurrently, it's dividing up the system resources between the two. So it's, right. uh, everything is kind of delayed a little. Yeah. So if you have a really lightning fast machine, then that's not going to matter as much as to much. you. But if you are, yeah, it's still going to be noticeable. Yes, it will. But if you have a, a slow machine, then it could become painful. So it's, there, there are advantages to that. If you have something very simple that only runs in the other operating system, you might want to go that route. But um, if you really want, if you're going to do something like play games, you know, the high-end Windows, high frame rate games, you know, first-person shooters, especially that kind of stuff with a lot of action, you're not going to want to try to do that through a virtual machine. You're going to want to do, you know, dual boot and flip yeah, over to the other exactly, operating system. Exactly, exactly. Well, that was a good discussion about uh, uh, multi-booting. Yeah. Um, we're running a little short on time. I'm not going to go on into listener mail, uh, but we will – we definitely read every single one of those messages. So we don't have an intern reading those. It's us. It comes straight to us. Um, sometimes it actually takes a detour to our junk folder for some reason, even though they're all coming to the same address. But we do make sure we check those as well. So keep those messages coming in. Our address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. You can read all about various operating systems at howstuffworks.com and check out our blogs. Our blogs are at blogs.howstuffworks.com. Uh, we got lots of interesting things to say about all sorts of stuff there. And uh, hopefully you guys found this to be a pretty interesting topic. It's uh, it's kind of cool to think about being able to run various operating systems on a single machine. Yeah, it's 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 been kind of fun doing that on the uh, test machine just to get a look at the other ones. So I like it because it lets me break twice as much stuff on one <laughs> single device. Indeed. Well, guys, hope you enjoyed it, and we will talk to you again really soon. 
For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new Tech Stuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.